Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Market Foolery. Get $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com/mf30 and use the offer code MF30. It's Tuesday, May 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, it's investor at large Tim Hansen. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. I'm happy that you're here on a day when we're going to be talking about um, public companies that are in one of your areas of maybe not expertise, but certainly one of your areas of interest, and that is gardening. Yeah, because you are you're a legit gardener in my book. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, we're, we're also, lest anyone think this is just going to be some big love fest about gardening, we're also <laughs> going to be talking about the list of best paid CEOs that came out recently. So we'll have a little bit of fun with that. Gardening and sarcasm, two, two <laughs> things I do well. Uh, well. Let's start with Home Depot, their first quarter uh, report that came out this morning. The profits were better than expected. Overall sales were down a little bit. Their same store sales were down a little bit. The stock fell. I don't know. It was down like one and a half percent, something like that. I mean, this this really did seem like one of those situations where, not that Home Depot was ducking any responsibility, but they were just saying on the conference call, very matter of factly, yeah, the weather in April was pretty bad, and we got affected by that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we laugh at companies that blame blame the weather because there's some companies that shouldn't be affected by weather that use the weather as a convenient excuse. But in the case of Home Depot, it's a very reasonable um, explanation and and one that we've seen in other companies in this space. You know, it, it stayed colder longer, um, and obviously that prevents a lot of things from happening in the springtime. You can, you know, you don't get out in the garden as soon, so you're not buying seasonal items. You're not maybe doing some repairs around the house in preparation for the warmer weather, restaining the deck, things of that nature. But it was a, it was overall. Um, I mean, they maintain guidance for the year, so they expect those sales to show back up again. And, and Home Depot has been a multi-year, just tremendous retail story, and at a time when Amazon is um, really causing weakness in a lot of parts of the retail sector, Home Depot has done a wonderful job of leveraging um, not only their proximity of all their stores to you know to Americans to sell uh, to to DIY people, but their professional business is growing. Um, really nicely, and then also they're uh, quietly building a pretty good e- e-commerce business as well. So, a lot of tailwinds for for Home Depot. Um, you know, particularly the housing starts continue to go up. That's a huge tailwind for Home Depot, especially as millennials and people start moving out of their parents' basements. That should benefit Home Depot for years to come. And and I think it's a pretty um, interesting stock to to take a look at. When you look at the same store sales and they break it out by month, you really see the effect of the bad weather in April, which was you know. Much colder and snowier than we typically see. I mean, in February, it's you know same store sales about five and a half percent. March almost six percent, and that falls off a shelf to about like plus two percent. So yeah, it was a legit excuse. And like I said, you know, Scott's Miracle Grow reported earnings not too long ago, and they their their results were much poorer because obviously from a seasonal perspective, they're you know almost pure play gardening. Um, and and they reported the same the same problem. So it's a credible explanation. They maintain guidance for the year, and Home Depot has been doing a lot of things right with regards to being a retailer. We'll come back to Scotts in just a second. But um, one more thing in terms of the the rest of the fiscal year for Home Depot, because we've talked before about look when there are weather events, particularly in the winter, like significant events, blizzards, that sort of thing. If you are 
a restaurant, if you're a coffee shop, you know, if you're Starbucks or your Chipotle or or whoever, and you're losing sales due to weather, you're not getting those back. Yeah, you don't buy two cups of coffee on Tuesday because it was closed on Monday. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do, but well, sure. But fair. I typically, you know, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm making a couple of trips every day. Um, but whereas with uh, uh, auto companies. When they're dealing with adverse weather, people look. If you need to buy a new car and you can't get out because there's bad snow or or whatever, there's bad weather. Well, you're going to go back the next week or a couple weeks later. Is Home Depot in that second category? Because it kind of seems like, hey, look, if you need to do some, if you need gardening supplies, if you need to do repairs around the house, maybe you don't get out there in April when it's snowing. But that just those are sales that just get pushed off by a few weeks. Yeah, I would say that's the right way to think about it. It's deferred. Deferred business rather than business that disappeared. You know, if people aren't, you know, buying a home, if they didn't get a chance to go out to open houses over the weekend because of poor weather, that's not going to cause them to. But you know what? Well, Forget that whole <laughs> home buying thing. We didn't get around to it last weekend. Let's just wait. So you know, yeah, I think I think this business will show back up in the next quarter. Um, obviously, they already have some visibility in the next quarter since it is the next quarter, and they uh, maintain their guidance for the year. So that probably tells you all you need to know about that particular um, secular trend. And probably safe to assume that uh, whenever Lowe's reports their report, yeah, it'll be a, <laughs> it'll rhyme. Yeah. Their April is probably going to look a lot like Home Depot's. Uh, you mentioned Scott's Miracle Grow, which is a company we don't talk about very often, and uh, it, it is a standalone public company ticker symbol SMG. Um, and something that that uh, you had mentioned, how yeah, they reported recently, kind of you know a tough spring for them as well. Um, but you mentioned something to me this morning um, about Scott's Miracle Grow being a way to play the growth in the marijuana industry. Yeah, and somebody on Wall Street um, may have tapped your phone or something because sure enough, uh, a firm came out this morning and upgraded. Scott's Miracle Grow uh, to a buy, put a buy rating on it, and specifically for that reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of um, you know marijuana legalization stocks obviously have been a uh, part of the market where there's been a lot of hype. There's a lot of overvaluation. There's a lot of outright fraud, so on and so forth. A lot of pump and dump schemes have been in this. A lot of penny stocks. A lot of penny stocks. Um, you know, but obviously, if, as marijuana is legalized in places, there are business opportunities associated with it. What makes Scotts interesting is that the core business is a very stable, um, <clears throat> branded, uh, you know, gardening business, which is Miracle Grow, Scotts Turf Builder, those sorts of things. And so, this is a business that generates a lot of uh, free cash flow every year, um, has pricing power, um, people use the products every day, so on and so forth. And then attached to it, they've quietly been using that free cash flow and taking on some debt to build a vertically integrated sort of um, greenhouse growing business, which can easily be applied as like a picks and shovels play on on marijuana uh, agriculture, were people to start growing that in significant quantities. Uh, it's things like um, hydroponics, seed starting kits, uh, indoor soil, lighting, air filters, things of that nature. Um, and so they've got uh, it's a couple hundred million dollar revenue business now, and if you look at the potential growth rates in the industry, um, this is one of those opportunities where marijuana as a commodity, predicting the price there and the demand and so on and the supply is very difficult. Um, if you know that growers are going to be coming into the industry, the people who supply the growers with the things they need should do do pretty well. And and like I said, um, 
they've assembled a pretty a pretty interesting uh, portfolio of brands to service that market. Far more brands than I would have expected, um, and some of them I've never heard of. Um, uh, they couple, are niche. Uh, they are I <laughs> niche mean, a couple, to the gardening community. I mean, Roundup, uh, which you know, sort of controlling controlling weeds that you yep. don't want um, ortho, on the retail side. Yeah, yep. ortho, uh, um, but uh, a phenomenal brand which I had never heard of until you just mentioned it this morning. Uh, just looking at this kind. Of, Something called Black Magic. This is gardening for uh, the cool, the cool kids. Yeah, this the Black Magic. Um, they that, they sell the products at Home Depot, and it's like seed trays, seed starting soil, everything you need to sort of get started. I, I start my own seeds, um, and so I've actually I, I experimented with Black Magic products this year, not to grow marijuana, but to just you know tomatoes and, and, and cucumbers and whatnot. But it's a Hellaciously cool brand. Like it's got a great logo. I want it, if they have T-shirts, I want a T-shirt. Yeah, I was gonna say first of all. <laughs> You tell me, uh, I'm going to do some shopping this weekend. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Black Magic. Get some Black Magic. That's there are so many ways you can go. That could be an amazing pizza place. <laughs> that could like it could be any number of things. But the fact that it's um, uh, it's it's built right into the the Scott's Miracle Grow umbrella of of brands is fantastic. And you know what's neat about as they've acquired, you know sometimes you know the. The majority of acquisitions in corporate America fail to create value. That's pretty well known, particularly as they get big. But what's interesting about Scotts and acquiring these small niche um, uh, gardening brands is that they've got distribution, so they can put Black Magic into Home Depot at a higher price point than Miracle Grow, and all of a sudden you've got a very interesting um, share of the shelf space in that retail environment, which is you've got a premium product, you've got a, a mainstream product, you've got a discount product, and you're, you're touching the Gardening process at every you know beginning, middle, and end. Um, you know, like the last time I went to the store, I had to buy uh, seed starting soil, potting soil. You know, I got peat moss, and you know, all of that is taking share of my wallet and giving it to one parent company. So I think it's a good strategy, and they've got the. You know, some analysts in the past have been concerned about the leverage they've taken on in order to execute it, um, but I think they have more than enough cash flow to to pay for it all. And I, and I think it'll be pretty interesting. You're getting, you know, marijuana uh, legalization doesn't. Come to the masses, it's still a pretty reasonable valuation. Well, and you look at the track record so far, and it just in terms, you know, putting putting the products aside, look at the job that this company has done in terms of capital allocation. Yeah, and they've built up a nice track. Record. Yeah, it's a, it's a not a huge company, but they've done a solid job. So, if you've ever wanted to invest in Black Magic, now's the time. Now you actually can. <laughs> uh, quick, quick thanks to HelloFresh. They're offering our dozens of listeners thirty dollars off your first week of deliveries when you go to hellofresh.com/mf30 and use the offer code MF30. Meal kits delivered right to your door in insulated, recyclable packages. There are three plans to choose from: classic, veggie, and family. They sent so they. HelloFresh sent a bunch of meal kits to Full HQ. I didn't get one. Uh, well, here's the thing: um, uh, they they didn't send like 50. They they sent a bunch for for so some, who got them? Uh, some of the hosts of the podcast. Ah. And so uh, I, I get together with uh, some of the other hosts, and, and we get together in a conference room, and I uh, we essentially had a meal kit draft. You know, like it a professional like sports draft. And I just felt like, okay, since I I, I can't. I mean, I'd like to take the first pick, but I can't do that. I'll I'll be the person that says, no, 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 you guys pick, and then, and so of course I, I got I got. What did you end up with? Well, I ended up with something veggie. Okay. And um, and uh, I have to say, it was fantastic. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> like it was not, it was not, it was not my first pick. So the proteins went higher in the draft. Much higher in the draft, got but uh, this was a pesto flatbread pizza, which was not only delicious, it was good. also popular with the younger people in my house. I which, like pesto. Yeah, I, was, I grow basil. 
for that reason. There you go. Uh, HelloFresh <laughs> makes it so easy to cook delicious, balanced, filling dinners for less than 10 bucks a meal, and also free shipping. Um, Mint also makes a delightful pesto. Does it? A lot of people don't know that, but and it grows very voraciously, so you can make a lot of mint pesto. But it's good on pasta, good dipping. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, just mint, garlic, salt, olive oil, and you're off. I think that might technically be a pea stew, but... A what? A pea stew, which is like a French herb sauce, because a pesto needs, I think, to have nuts in it in order to be a pesto. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I like my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I like my pesto. Um, so, if you don't want to uh, plan dinner or spend money on takeout for an easy night or worry about gathering ingredients, check out HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MF30 and use the code MF30 to get $30 off your first week of groceries. Uh, it's nice that uh, some of the CEOs of public company are, are making a good living, because I was really worried about some of them. <laughs> um, and congrats to Evan Spiegel, the CEO of Snap, uh, who, as it turns out, was the highest-paid CEO in 2017. He made uh, just over $500 million. That wasn't all cash, though, was it? No, it was not no, all cash. No, no. You can't spend... Much, much of that <laughs> came from a huge stock grant that vested when Snap went public. I mean, but, that'll be worthless soon. <laughs> but here's the thing: when you juxtapose the uh, just north of 500 million uh, that he made in 2017 with the 720 million dollar loss, sure, that Snap uh, took in 2017, I can't help but think, hey, th- there's a way to decrease that loss. You you looked at the list. What stood out to you? Oh, so this is the list of the highest bit. I mean, what, the Wall Street. This came from the Wall Street Journal. What they were pointing out was that I think what was it? Nine of the eight. Eight. Eight of the twenty, top twenty. Eight of the top twenty. No, don't even have their jobs anymore. I mean, so it includes Steve, Steve Wynn, who obviously resigned in um, shame for 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 that, and then uh, Andre Harrison, who passed away after uh, trying to steer uh, CSX after successfully turning around some other railroads. Trying to, he was attracted to CSX by an active investor, had health problems, passed away. Still pocketed something on the order of a hundred million dollars or something along those lines, but yeah, I mean it was just fascinating. Like you like to you like to think at any company that you have a pay for performance culture, right? People who are making the money are the people who are helping grow value for the business, and obviously um, CEOs make a lot of money. And the fact that the turnover is so high for doing a bad job, these these people mostly lost their jobs for cause, like they were doing right. a terrible job, and they were making you know. Well into the what one two three four five six seven eight nine figures. Yes, it's crazy. That that's the thing that sort of uh, always has me scratching my head, and it is it is sort of the combination of the because you're right. I mean, I mean, all kidding aside, at Evan Spiegel, I mean, we in general we like to see rather than uh, CEOs being paid a tremendous amount of cash. Um, we'd much rather see their interests align with the interests of individual shareholders like you and me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, if they're doing a good job, um, but but uh, I, I don't think I will ever uh, stop shaking my head at at some of the pay packages uh, that are put together for CEOs who don't perform to the point that you made, and also some of the the parachutes. 
where it's just like even even people who are being fired for cause, it's like, oh yeah, but we're also going to give you this enormous bag of money on your way out the door. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, in in, in sports, there are obviously some overpaid athletes, but they got overpaid because at some point they were probably underpaid or they were their talents were were marketable, and so they were you know there's some connection there between the compensation and and their relative ranking among their peer group. Right. Um, with CEOs. I think there's some academic. I mean, there is almost no correlation between skill and pay when it comes to CEO upper, you know, C level management. Like none. And so, why any board of directors feels the need to overpay a CEO to keep them or to hire them when you could probably find someone of equal or greater ability for less money if you're just willing to work a little harder um, continues to baffle me. And you've got all sorts of you know corporate headhunt executive headhunting firms that make a lot of money looking for these people. I, and yet, there's no science to it. I mean, that, you know, I'm, I, I like to measure things and you know, and 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 be very. Um, Quantitative about data driven. Yeah, and I believe in meritocracy and so on and so forth. And this is the thing that continues to annoy me about um, about management teams is just how much money they think they're worth when it's demonstrably not true that they're worth that money. <laughs> you just reminded me when you mentioned professional athletes. You reminded me of uh, the the great, the great line that Chris Rock had about the difference between um, uh, being rich and being wealthy. And it was Shaquille O'Neal is rich. The guy, the owner of the team who signs his paycheck, he's wealthy. <laughs> um, how's the full 100 index doing? Well, well, it's uh, uh, the index is beating the market year to date. Um, we had our reconstitution at the end of uh, March. We'll have another one at the end of June. Um, but yeah, it's been you know it's been a nice time to be in um, large cap technology stocks, and I think the fool. Analysts here in the in-house have done a really nice job of identifying um, the cream of the crop there, and and that's and that's helped the uh, the, the index uh, stay ahead of the, the S&P 500 this year. If you want more information on the Full 100 Index, uh, it's always right there on the main page of Fool.com. I mean, if you're a fool, if you're a foolish investor, it's a, I would say it's a fun index to compete against. Like I benchmark all of our services and stuff against it now because it is stylistically. Um, a little bit of a better comparison if you're investing foolishly in recommendations of ours and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, you can make your make your life a little harder by uh, <laughs> trying to beat the Fool 100 instead of the S&P. Nice. You can also go to Fool100.com for more information on the Fool 100 index. Tim Hansen, I'll let you get back to gardening. Thank you, sir. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.